I love being able to talk about brands that I use on my podcast, and I've personally been using this one for over five years. Our sponsor, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are specifically formulated for women. They contain 16 vitamins and minerals, including the full B vitamin complex to help convert food into fuel and have the added benefit of supporting healthy hair, skin, and nails. With just two delicious gummies, Nature's Way Alive, women's multivitamin gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day. To learn more, visit naturesway.com slash Gemma10 and use code Gemma10 at checkout for 10% off any alive women's multivitamins. Terms and conditions apply, valid through June 30th. There is a whole collection of black lead products at Walmart that can fit into your daily routine. And in every purchase, there is power. So show black founders some love, not just during Black History Month, but all year long, because every time we buy a black led brand, we make room for another. Black founders and the products they bring to the table are creating a whole new world of choice at Walmart. Go to walmart.com slash black and unlimited to discover all the amazing black owned products that you can add to your daily routine. Looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results, but also empower you with a sense of complete control? Enter Conair Girlbomb, your secret weapons for smooth, sleek results made just for women. From the ultimate Girlbomb grip and professional-grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girlbomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girlbomb, available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you. Hello and welcome back to The Psychology of Your 20s, the podcast where we talk through some of the big life changes and transitions of our 20s and what they mean for our psychology. Hello lovely people, how are we going on this fine day? wherever you're listening in the world. Thanks for joining. Thanks for tuning in to the psychology of your 20s. It's lovely to have you here. Um, This week, we're talking about emotional intelligence, or EQ, as some people call it, and why it's different from um, normal intelligence, from our IQ. This topic, it's different because, well, maybe it's not different. I think it's kind of common with some of the topics we talk about. But it's just as important in our 20s as it is in the rest of our lives. Um, But the reason I want to talk about it in the context of our 20s is because this decade is when our brain is in those final kind of stages of development. When our frontal lobe is yet to form, when it's in its most critical kind of stage to build those final skills, those final neurons. And with that, where we can kind of perfect our emotional intelligence and I just thought it would be really really interesting I think it's such a crucial part of success in life of achieving the things that you want having healthy relationships all the things that I think are the base of of happiness and (laughs) success Um, and I think a really common misconception about emotional intelligence is that like intelligence to some degree or like some other innate skill It's not something that can be taught. It's not something that can be developed. What you're born with, um, the emotional intelligence that you're born with is what you get. It's the cards that you're dealt for the rest of your life. And that is just totally untrue. Um, It is 
fundamentally a skill. Emotional intelligence is a skill and it can be learnt. It, you can alter um, how you see people, how you see yourself and how you react to them. Although there are some people who perhaps are more naturally adept the same way that there are people who are better at sports or have more analytical brains or more creative brains um, and that stuff is really to do with your upbringing, um, your temperament, the personality you were kind of dealt with upon conception and upon birth. That is a huge misconception and there is a huge misconception around emotional intelligence being something that is stagnant, being something that is permanent. What you're born with, the skills that you're born with is what you get, which is completely untrue. We're going to talk about that today. How do you curate and develop um, and build emotional intelligence in your 20s because it is so foundational and critical for every year, every decade, every emotional experience going forward. So emotional intelligence, um, it's an interesting kind of corner of psychology because unlike some of the other topics I talk about, I focus a lot on positive psychology and social psychology Emotional intelligence is normally talked about in relation to organizational psychology. You may have guessed what that is, but organizational psychology really has a lot to do with the workplace um, and how we interact um, with, yeah, with people in the workplace and how leaders are born, how we influence people. But it is a lot more general than that. I think that beyond the workplace is perhaps where it has its greatest relevance and its greatest applicability Um, and there's been some huge talk around emotional intelligence recently it's kind of become very popular part of the psychobabble as we would say as more people begin discovering it begin discovering its applicability beyond the workplace beyond corporate life and see that it is so fundamental to all these other areas that are beyond how we make money and how we Um, control the tides of business I think so I think that first kind of came about in like the 1960s and 70s but it's been popularized a lot more recently and with that we're seeing a lot of cultural trends around emotional intelligence also emerge it's now taught um, you know in Harvard business schools and Harvard business school and other business schools and um I think it's one of those things where I, I've always had these discussions with my friends where at uni would say, oh, that person's really intelligent, but they have pretty low EQ. They're not very emotionally intelligent. So it's part of that distinction, I think, these days that we have between, um, I don't want to say natural intelligence, but academic intelligence and how what we traditionally think of as intelligence and those more soft, nuanced skills around how we relate to others. Um, even though it's taught at Harvard Business School, I think that it does have a lot of relevance to all those who aren't there. If you are there, um, tell me what they're saying about it. Tell me if I'm accurate. Um, but it, it is really, really important. And it differs from IQ in so many ways. Like I said, IQ we often think of as analytical skills, as a, the way that we process factual information, how we absorb information, our memory, how we use it. But emotional intelligence really rests in our social relationships and in our own emotional awareness, which we'll talk about later on, and how we interact with people, how we influence people beyond our general knowledge and beyond how we process information. So let's take a bit more of a deep dive into the components of emotional intelligence in our 20s, 
the benefits of a high EQ and how to develop your emotional intelligence even further if that's something you're interested in. So firstly, let's get our basic information down. What is EQ? What is emotional intelligence? Well, at its most primitive kind of basic level, emotional intelligence refers to our ability to understand, use and manage our own emotions in positive ways that affect us and affect others. Um, It kind of encompasses how to communicate effectively, how to have those healthy, positive relationships, how to succeed at your personal goals. This really interesting study found that when children, when kids had higher emotional intelligence, they did a lot better at school. They did a lot better socially, obviously, but academically as well. It's such a crucial component to succeeding in the world and to having a healthy professional life, being able to follow through with your commitments and also making informed decisions. So emotional intelligence really involves those core areas of the frontal lobe um, which are responsible for how we see the world, how we interpret the world and how we process our emotions and make decisions based on what they're telling us. So emotional intelligence, it has four main components. These are self-awareness, self-regulation, social awareness and social regulation or control. I don't really like the word control in this situation. I think it suggests that emotional intelligence is something that we want to develop and build in order to influence people for our own gain. But it's more about leading and it's more about being able to dance around other people's feelings and understand their emotional concerns and their emotional needs. So emotional intelligence really starts with you. It starts with self-awareness. And self-awareness, I think, is something that is misunderstood in psychology or in those who kind of dabble in psychology to a pretty large degree. In some, we often say it as, you know, being able to recognize our faults, um, knowing ourselves pretty well, but it's a little bit deeper than that. It Self-awareness is really about being able to recognize and understand your own emotions, being able to name your emotions but also know why you're feeling them. It gives you so much information about the world to have an understanding of how you cognitively react to things. Um, And it is the foundation of emotional intelligence, being able to respond effectively, not to what others are thinking, but at the very beginning, what you're thinking. A big part about self-awareness, I think, is realizing that all of life's events, everything that you experience everything that's hard or good or sad or happy, these events are innately neutral. They don't have any natural, intuitive, assigned meaning until we evaluate it as either good or bad. And that's an internal process that creates feelings and it's responsible for how we feel and react. So, When something happens in our lives, there is an unconscious evaluation that occurs in our brain that assigns that event as either being positive or negative. And that information, that processing, the meaning we assign to an event comes from external sources, what we're expected to feel, but also our own learning and how we've responded to things in the past, how things made us feel in the past, so that we have a basis for um, knowing how we should react um, either social in a socially appropriate manner or in a way that matches how you expect yourself to feel. 
But being able to recognize that all events are innately neutral, this allows you to, uh, to identify why you're having a feeling um, at, in that moment. And what is, is that feeling kind of attached to? Is it a normal feeling? Is it something that seems appropriate given the circumstances? Or is it based on learning and based on experiences? So that's the whole thing about self-awareness is being able to look at your emotions, name your emotions and understand why you're feeling it. That is the bedrock of emotional intelligence. Once you're able to identify your feelings, once you have that high level of self-awareness, the other building block of emotional intelligence, the next kind of core ingredient is self-regulation. It's all fine and good and well to be able to recognize your emotions, to be able to sit back and say, oh, I'm mad and I'm mad because of this and this is triggering me because of this. Um, And being able to know their source, whether it's endogenous or exogenous, internal or external. But that is really no use in terms of your broader emotional intelligence and ability to relate to others unless you're able to control your impulsive feelings, to control your behaviors and manage emotions in healthy ways. And then from that, being able to take initiative and to follow through on your commitments, um, relate and be able to relate to others and adapt to your changing circumstances. So this is about self-regulation. You've had that feeling, you've identified it, but the next step is what you do with it. How do you react to how you're feeling? And are you able to bring that into your broader life, into what you want from life and integrate it in a positive way? Emotional regulation kind of captures all of this. It captures being adaptive to changing circumstances. And it's different from self-awareness because self-awareness is basically recognition, but self-regulation is action. It's action in response to that recognition. So on the back of these two internal processes, we also have social awareness. Now, this is probably, I think, where most people see emotional intelligence as as lying as this is where a lot of people I think are misguided in thinking that emotional intelligence is actually social awareness and in some ways it is but the critical thing about those two prior ideas is that you can't actually have social awareness without having self-awareness and self-regulation you can't show empathy you can't react to social cues or feel socially comfortable without first understanding how other people might be feeling emotions because you have felt them and you can recognize them and name them yourself. So social awareness really encompasses being able to understand other people's emotions and their emotional concerns and their needs and their social concerns and how you can provide them or maybe take them away. So you begin to see yourself not as a sole individual, not as your own feelings, but see your feelings and how you might react in relationship to other people, both recognizing how your reactions affect them, but also how you might actually understand their reactions a lot better by looking internally and thinking, how would I react in that situation? What would I be feeling? And that's social awareness. A critical thing about this element of EQ is that it's the hardest to learn. It's the most intuitive. I know I'm kind of contradicting myself and, you know, I said that emotional awareness and emotional intelligence is something that we can learn, which it is. But the hardest part of it is being able to apply that to other people because other people are unpredictable 
as I always say this to my friend Erin, but people aren't always going to react the way that you would to a situation. People have their own cultural experiences, their own personal learning experiences that have taught them to behave in different ways in reaction to their feelings. It's also the part that is most kind of biologically determined. Social awareness is normally something that some people have at a higher level compared to others. And a good example of this is people with autism who might struggle with social awareness. That's no fault of theirs. It's not like they're not trying hard. It's that it is something that is more innate. Um, and it is the most difficult component of EQ to master. But once you do, you get that final stage, that final step, that final component, which is where ideas of leadership and influence really come into it. And that's relationship management regulating other people. So in this final stage, you know how to develop and maintain good relationships. You can communicate clearly, you can inspire and influence others, and you can manage their emotions and needs because you understand them. You have that self-awareness and that social awareness. And with that, much like self-regulation, you can apply it to your interactions with others. These final two steps are just I think the thing that really trips the most people over because social awareness is an isolated activity. You can kind of do that yourself by sitting down and evaluating your feelings and journaling and going to therapy or doing whatever you need to do to connect with your own emotions and feelings. But being able to learn what they look like in others is a much more difficult task because emotional reactions and experiences, as we said, are not universal. Okay, so whilst all these components that we've talked about are crucial and important to emotional intelligence, to being able to relate to others, some people may only have one or two components, and that's where they kind of get stuck. Maybe they're someone who can influence people, but they're still really aloof and have low social awareness, although it's probably unlikely that they're intentionally influencing people, they still have that capability, they still have that capacity, despite being low in social regulation and social awareness. And on the flip side, you can have um, a high degree of self-awareness, really understand and have deep knowledge of how you feel and how your emotions relate to the world, but still remain unable to manage relationships and unable to step into that social regulation element that we're talking about. So it is kind of um, a four-piece puzzle where if you don't have one piece, if you're missing one of them, your emotional development, emotional intelligence, we would say, is underdeveloped. So all um, pieces are just as crucial. You can't just skip a step. But the other caveat is that emotional intelligence is also highly dependent on others. It is relational. Maybe that's been pretty clear so far. But you can't influence others if other people don't exist and you can't understand their emotions and relate to them and have good relationships with them um, if they didn't have those emotions in the first place. So, yeah, it's incredibly relational and it's dependent on how other people are reacting in their feelings. You might have all components of EQ, but say you have a relationship with someone who's a psychopath or completely lacking in self-awareness they will struggle and you will struggle to display your beautifully high levels of eq with them 
I knew someone like this um, who had really low self-awareness. It's really hard to meet their emotional needs um, and to understand how they're feeling because they don't even recognize it themselves. That person probably um, is unsure of what their emotional needs are or if they're someone who's psychopathic or can't have empathy or doesn't have consistent emotions, they might have disturbed social and emotional needs. So it is really hard to navigate those relationships, even if you're an expert, even if you're really skilled and have all of the tools that you would need for emotional intelligence. Like I said, it's relational. It might also be um, another instance that I can think of is if you're in the workplace, which is where emotional intelligence is often investigated, there are some really conflict-seeking people out there. We've talked about this in some of our other episodes. Conflict-seeking people are people who are excited and exhilarated and get a lot of stimulation from creating fuss and having fights with people and gossiping. Um, These people are going to be really hard to regulate or to influence or to um, relate to if you're not someone like that because you're never going to understand their perspective. You're not a conflict-seeking person. If you don't like confrontation, managing the emotions or understanding the emotions of someone who is is going to be a pretty hard task even if you have high levels of self-awareness in relations to the emotions you feel. But if you think about someone who has really high EQ, who's very skilled at perception, they may still be able to manage this or dance around these kinds of people, give that person who has a need for conflict a little taste without disrupting the peace and others because they have experienced other emotional situations and they've been able to cultivate that skill and that response to changing circumstances. So what are some of the benefits of having high emotional intelligence, being one of those people who can navigate all situations effortlessly? Well, emotional intelligence, like I've already said, it affects things like your performance at work or school. You can really easily navigate the social complexities of a workplace. You can lead and motivate others, excel in your career. Um, People with EQ often test higher on most job indicators. They're um, better at things like job interviews. They're better at managing internal conflict. It also um, really influences some other things like your physical health and your mental health. So if you're unable to manage your emotions, you're probably not managing your stress either. And this can lead to some pretty serious health problems. So uncontrolled stress as we know, raises blood pressure, suppresses the immune system when we have high levels of cortisol and therefore increases things like the risk of heart attacks and strokes um, and speeds up the aging process. So that's where that emo- that self-awareness component is really important to the other areas of your health. Because if you aren't able to recognise how you're feeling, recognise what is influencing you, you might experience um greater stress and greater arousal and that also contributes to mental health uncontrolled emotions and stress can also impact how you feel emotionally making you more vulnerable to anxiety and depression and if you're able to understand and get comfortable with or manage your emotions um, then you're able to form stronger relationships which stops you from feeling lonely and isolated um, gives you more control over your emotional experiences improves your relationships, um, and also, finally, your social intelligence. Yes, emotional and social intelligence. If you couldn't tell from this episode and what we've talked about so far, 
are very much connected and being in tune with your emotions definitely serves a social purpose as we can see from that social awareness and social regulation component it connects you to other people and the world around you and enables you to recognize you know friend from foe you can measure another person's interest in you pursue healthier relationships balance your nervous system through social communication and feel really loved and and happy so emotional intelligence is probably another important difference it has to just general intelligence is it's more linked to just a general sense of well-being and peace and comfort and being able to navigate what life kind of throws at you. So a big part of this conversation and a big promise I made was I was going to tell you how you can increase your EQ. So there was a reason we talked about emotional intelligence in terms of those four key components because they're all equally crucial, but you can also build your EQ by focusing on each one of them. So starting at self-awareness, managing your stress is just the first step to building emotional intelligence. Being able to recognize your emotions as well, that's also really crucial. And if you can't get over that, if you're unable to do that, it's unlikely that you'll be able to increase your emotional intelligence. So you should be able to manage core feelings like anger, sadness, fear and joy um, in order to feel the full breadth of emotional experiences, but also know how you react to them. So the questions to ask are, when I encounter an emotion, how do I react? Are those emotions accompanied by physical sensations? Do you experience individual feelings and emotion or can you feel them at the same time? So anger and sadness. It's really interesting. Some people feel them as different sensations and can't feel them at the same time, whereas others feel them as one and can have that kind of nuance. Me personally, I can't be angry and sad at the same time. It's a different experience. Um, There's also that question of, can you experience intense emotions? Um, What do they feel like? And all of this is contributing to you being able to pay attention to your emotions, that is the biggest factor in building EQ. And the biggest recommendation a lot of scientists and psychologists have is when you feel an emotion, do you have a process for sitting back, recognizing it, understanding why you're feeling that way and being able to realize, is it internal? Can I do something about it or is it external and should I change something about my environment? And that's crucial. Once you understand how your brain flows through those key pathways and those patterns that's when you have high levels of self-awareness really taking time to evaluate what you do how you respond what your reaction is in order to engage your emotional intelligence you also have to be able to use your emotions to make constructive decisions about your behavior self-management that was the second component So once you're able to recognize your emotions, you have to be able to do something with them, right? You have to be able to respond to them positively so you don't lose control of your emotions or your ability to think things through and to act thoughtfully and appropriately. A really good way to kind of build this and to build particularly your reaction to stressful and emotionally intense experiences is to stay really mindful of what exactly is upsetting you about the information you're receiving and why is it overriding your thoughts and self-control. A big piece of advice that someone once gave me is never react in the moment if you're you know in a job interview always like take a moment step back and think 
really think about what emotion you're feeling, what's your main reaction, and how do I respond to that cautiously? What would the best version of myself do here? A really great way to apply this is when you are in emotionally demanding situations, maybe you're having an argument with someone, take a few minutes, take a day, take a couple hours and step back and think, what would the highest version of myself, what would the most emotionally intelligent version of myself do in this situation? So the next key skill that we talked about was social awareness, your ability to recognize and interpret cues from other people being able to communicate with them and um, feel attached to them and to understand how they're feeling. And in this situation, mindfulness is an ally for emotional and social awareness. To build social awareness, you need to be mindful of what other people are feeling and experiencing, and you need to be able to apply your own experiences to, to their reactions there will be subtle emotional shifts taking place in other people that you have to be able to recognize. You have to be able to recognize their goals and their objectives. And that's where empathy really comes into play. Building that core skill of empathy is so crucial. It is perhaps the most crucial part, the same way that social awareness is the hardest part of emotional intelligence. Empathy is something that is really difficult to curate. It's really difficult to develop. But it really sits with in the same kind of area as that self-regulation. Taking a step back, mind mapping out, if I was in this situation, what would I be feeling? Resting on your own self-awareness to think about what would my intentions here be? What would my objectives be in this situation? And move forward with that knowledge. Think about someone else as if they are yourself. And no, this is an expert advice. This is just things that I have gained from the internet and from my own personal experience. But think about someone else as if they are yourself. What would you want here? What would you be trying to get out of creating reaction in someone or reacting a certain way? And how do you leverage that in order to engage in relationship management and social regulation, which is the final stage? Working well with others is a process that, as we have said time and time again in this episode, begins with emotional awareness and your ability to recognize and understand what other people are experiencing. So there are a few key skills here. The first one is becoming aware of how effectively to use nonverbal communication. It's impossible to avoid sending nonverbal messages. You cannot control, you know, the muscles in your face that react to other people and that's how you wordlessly convey your own emotions but it's also the tip of how to read others so engaging that emotional part of your brain to recognize what certain reactions mean in others is super important and can play a huge part in improving your relationships open communication talking about things when you see them and using humor to relieve stress and laughter they're natural antidotes to conflict and to heavy emotional situations but creating that kind of space to be able to engage and have hard conversations with people or have necessary conversations with people and the final kind of lesson and skill is learning to see conflict as an opportunity to grow closer to others conflict and disagreements we've talked about it so much on this podcast but they're inevitable they are just so normal and I think a big thing in our 20s is thinking we need to run away from confrontation but that's just not the case 
confrontation and being able to resolve conflict in a healthy, constructive way can strengthen trust between people. So teach yourself and learn and appreciate that conflict doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. It is a learning opportunity and it's important for your emotional intelligence to be able to navigate that situation and learn what worked, learn what made you feel better, but what made other people feel better as well in order to increase your EQ and um, kind of reap all those benefits that we've talked about. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. A little bit of a different one, a bit more psychology based, even though that's the idea of the podcast, delving into the mind, delving into social relationships, all in a day's work. I found it really interesting to think about these things, think about how I could apply it to my own life. Um, and also knowing that I still have a couple of years to really lay the foundations for an emotionally intelligent life and relationships full with EQ, however you want to apply it. And, you know, in the workplace as well, in my personal life, it is such an important skill. I hope that that has been clear <laughs> to you based on how much I've said about it in this podcast. Uh, but thank you again for listening. As always, if you do feel called to do so, if you enjoyed this podcast or some of the other episodes, please leave us a review on either Spotify or Apple Podcasts. It really allows this community and this a platform this podcast to grow and to reach new people so if you've gotten something out of it I would really appreciate it it would make my day and thank you again for listening next week we're talking about attachment styles another social psychology episode but very very interesting nonetheless have a beautiful day it's time to celebrate black history month at the walmart black and unlimited clock one at Flatiron plaza in new york city and one at ovation hollywood in los angeles from 8 a.m to 8 p.m with giveaways dropping every hour on the hour it is the perfect time to try like and share black lead products it's free it's for everyone and it's your chance to see how you can level up your daily routine with black lead products that are creating a new world of choice at walmart trust me you don't want to miss it i love being able to talk about brands that i use on my podcast and i've personally been using this one for over five years our sponsor nature's way alive women's multivitamin gummies are specifically formulated for women they contain 16 vitamins and minerals including the full b vitamin complex to help convert food into fuel and have the added benefit of supporting healthy hair skin and nails with just two delicious gummies nature's way alive women's multivitamin gummies are an easy way to feel like your best self every day to learn more visit naturesway.com slash Gemma 10 and use code Gemma 10 at checkout for 10% off any alive women's multivitamins terms and conditions apply valid through June 30th looking for hair removal tools that not only deliver smooth results but also empower you with a sense of complete control enter Conair Girlbomb your secret weapons for smooth sleek results made just for women from the ultimate girl bomb grip and professional grade blades, you don't have to compromise and settle for less. Conair Girl Bomb equips you with the precision and power previously reserved for men's grooming tools. So take your hair removal routine to the next level with Conair Girl Bomb. Available at conairgirlbomb.com or a retailer near you.